I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I am doing great. How about you? I am doing amazing. I had a great weekend. Um, I did a wedding yesterday, and I walked a couple of really cool dogs down the aisle for their owners. Did they have the, like, bow tie and all that stuff on? Oh, yeah. The little one had this really cute bandana, this all-white lace bandana, and then the big one, so it was a big Doberman, and then it was a little terrier dog, a 120-pound Doberman and, like, a 30-pound terrier. Um, and the big Doberman had a really sweet, really nice black leather collar and it had a big bow tie on it and the rings were attached to the bow tie. Oh, how cool. Yeah. So he was like the ring bearer and I got to walk him down the aisle. Nice. That would have been a lot of fun. I always think that's cute when people do that with their, with their, um, their dogs. I think it's cute and funny. It was, it was really adorable and the dogs were really well behaved and it was a, like it was a first for me right I've never been in a wedding and I love dog training I've been doing it for a very long time um I've never done a wedding before so it was an experience of a lifetime for sure oh yeah and hey it's something to put on the resume (laughs) right heck yeah always um so we are gonna do so we did a um We've done this uh, podcast in the past um, with amends, um, but didn't, like, we just had a conversation about what is amends, what does it look like, and, but we didn't have any kind of really true examples of what that would look like, so you have volunteered to do something, to share an amends letter. Yes. Right? Yeah, so... I have had a couple of weeks of stuff going on with my mom and we have a very strained relationship as it is just in general. Um, And one of the things I was able to do this weekend with some of the time that I had, um, actually it was the past couple of days, was to sit down and write a true amends letter. Um, And... I have mailed that to her. Um, I'm not asking her permission to read this. I'm not getting her opinion on reading this. The reason for that I think is very important to mention here is an amends is about me. My amends that I am making is about me acknowledging myself, taking accountability for myself, and... um, changing behaviors that I want to change yes the amends is to my mom but it really has very little to do with her except that I am giving it to her right how it makes her feel how she responds all of that stuff that is hers that is not any of my business 
Would you need to mail it? Would you have to give it to her, like, right now? No, that's a personal decision. Um, right, I think there's no right or wrong, right, with it when you do that. Right. Again, an amends is about the person making the amends. When I make an amends, I am not trying to make someone else feel better about what I did. An amends is different than I'm sorry. I'm sorry tell someone that I feel bad and I hope somehow by my feeling bad you won't be so upset but an amends is an amends is about things that I see me doing and I am not okay with yeah um so I've I've read this right you shared it with me to read and one of the things and I will get around to reading it but one of the things I loved in here was you did not say I was I'm sorry nowhere in this in this whole thing is I'm sorry because it's not like you said it's not about her it's about you it's not I don't feel sorry right when you think about right think about the feeling of when you tell someone that you're sorry when I tell someone I'm sorry I have this guilt I have this shame I have this negative feeling about something that I said or did or that they perceived I said or did whatever I have some sort of a negative feeling um when I started to write this amends there may have been a negative feeling when I started it but as it is completed there is absolutely no negative feeling it is a release it is a lifting it is a um like it is it's just an acknowledgement and and an awareness to pay attention to my own behaviors right and I think one of the things, you know, saying whether you decided to send it now or you didn't decide to de- to send it, because sometimes I feel like an amends letter can be, I'm sending it because I want the other person to hear what I have to say. And to me, that is, that's manipulation. Yeah, I don't have any opinion on whether or not she reads the letter whether or not she she doesn't have to hear me she doesn't have to agree with me it's not about her and it's really I mean let's say she didn't get the letter I mean let's say for some reason the United States Post Office lost the letter it's okay because it's not about her getting the letter honestly the only way I'll even know if she gets it and reads it is if she decides to say something about it I'm not going to go and be like, oh, I threw a letter in your mailbox. You better listen to it or you better read it. Right. Or, that's on her. And I think I, when you said that you were going to mail it, I and I think I, and I said to you, I lo- love the idea of mailing it because it's it's literally turning it over to your higher power. What happens to it once you put it in the mailbox? You have no control over it. There's nothing. It's out of your hands. It's out of your control. What happens with it at this point forward is none of your business. Right. And the it, reason... It could get lost. It could get to her. It could write. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. Uh, completely out of my control and none of my business. A- and the reason I even chose to write instead of, say, 
direct communication face-to-face um, is because, well, part of it is in the letter, but part of it also is because um, it's not about her response. It's not about how she feels. It's It literally has nothing to do with the other person. And so somebody would say, well, why send it all? Why send it at all then? If it's not about the person and you don't care if the person reads it, why even send it? What would you say? I'm sending it for me. I'm sending it because I want to give her the opportunity to hear me. Whether or not her higher power and my higher power give her that opportunity and whether or not she chooses to take that opportunity is out of my control. But I want to give her the opportunity in a safe way for me. What if she doesn't take it the way you hope she takes it? That's not my business. What if she calls you and tells you that it's a bunch of bullshit and how horrible it is for you to say that and it's not true? Uh, that's her opinion, right? I mean... Right? It's, she, not, it's not your business. Right. She's entitled to her feelings. I'm not going to say it wouldn't hurt. I'm not going to say that I wouldn't struggle to not react. Um, but logically and in a healthy place, I know very clearly her opinion is none of my business. Whether it is an opinion of something I'm saying to her or it is an opinion of something I'm saying about her. And it's not just her, it's anyone. Their thoughts, feelings, and opinions are none of my business. Well, that sounds so heartless. It's not heartless. It's actually the only way I can stop myself from letting go of them, right? So it's the only way I can stand up for myself. It's the only way I can stop myself from letting go of myself. If their thoughts, feelings, and opinions are my business, then that means I have some sort of responsibility to them. I have to try to heal them or fix them or change them. And that is out of my control. So it can't be my business. I can't let it. And that, But that's really hard to do. So, like, and I know we'll get to the letter, but, like, that's, you know, to just not worry about what somebody is feelings are that's hard how do how, like how do you go about working through that to be able to accept that I think that when people say to not worry about things oh I wish I didn't have to worry about it or I hate that I'm worrying about it what we really mean is we wish the thought would never ever creep up into our minds unfortunately we are not in control of our thoughts our brains run crazy sometimes. I know my brain runs crazy sometimes. I am not in control of my thoughts. So if that thought pops up, then as soon as I find myself holding on to it, I just remind myself with another thought that it's not my business. And it's okay for them to feel how they feel, just like it's okay for me to feel how I feel. And I'm sure there are people out there listening to this that are like struggling with understanding that. Like, well, that doesn't make sense. How do I not? Like, this is my mom. This is my my husband. This is my child. How do I not care how my kid feels or my parent or my spouse feels 
when I say something. It's not that I don't care. First and foremost, I care. Who I am as a person is that every single interaction I have, my utmost priority, at least what I strive to do, is kind, caring, considerate, compassionate. Be love, right? Act with love. Live in love at all times. Not perfect, but that is my first priority. So every time I interact with my daughter or my mother or my husband or anybody else, I care about how what I am saying is going to affect them. I am considerate of who they are and where they are. However, I also need to do what is best for me. There is a way to communicate with my family in a way that is safe for them and respect safe for me and respectful of them and vice versa it is possible we just have to be willing to work to find it so how do you control and I know you've been going through this with your mom and your mom has said some things how do you how or how does anyone go about not taking those feelings on and 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 carrying that weight You know, it sounds so simple to say, but how do you go about not taking someone's snotty tissue out of their hand? Right? How do you go about not eating what someone else vomits? You just don't do it. You don't allow it in. When something nasty is said to me, And I end up having it in my head, right? Because I can't stop it from coming into my head. I cannot stop those words from replaying in my mind. What I can do is examine those words. I love that you said that because that's what I was thinking. It's like, because even though I, to to turn it off, like stop and not like not let it happen. That's not going to, that's not going to happen for me. I am going to, when somebody does, says something to me, I'm going to feel it. Like it'll be this little like twinge in my body, this little, Ooh, that stung. Well, and it might be a big twinge, right? It might feel like a stab in the heart. It might feel like a stab in the back. It might feel like somebody just crushed my entire world, but my feelings and my reactions are two different things. Right. Cause I can say. And my mom will say stuff that'll just, that does, that'll twinge me. Um, she's probably the biggest person that does that to me. Um, you know, she is still, tends to be one of my biggest triggers. Um, but what I can do is I can, I can feel, like when it happens, I can be like, okay, I gotta let you go. Um, oh, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm at my location, right? We've said this before on the podcast. Like, I, I call my mom in a window of time that, that is safe for me respectful for her and I can end the conversation and then it's not just push it to the side and let it go because it is coming but like understanding why I was triggered what did she like looking at what she said how it made me feel why it made me feel the way it made me feel and work through it until I understand what core thing it hit right and then the other thing too along with what you're saying is 
when that person is no longer there saying those things, for me, those words tend to echo in my brain. And those echoes, if I ignore them or try to shut them up, they get louder and louder and louder. Um, They'll literally become this just gnawing thing in my brain. And it's just, and then I carry it through my entire body. Yes. What I have found for me is that I examine those thoughts and then I debate them. Right? So, um, not rationalize them. Right. So one of the things that people are good at telling me, I've, I've been heard multiple times in my life is I am too sensitive. I'm too sensitive. Um, and so a lot of times that thought will echo in my head. You're just sad because you're overly sensitive. So instead of just shutting that down or shoving that down or pushing it aside or completely ignoring it, stonewalling it, I will actually sit down with that thought and I will say, am I too sensitive? This happened and this happened and I feel this way and this is my reaction. Was that too sensitive? And I'll actually examine that thought. Um, once upon a time, somebody told me that I couldn't run um, and that I, I, horrible language, right? Bad language used. I, I can't run. I, I run awful. And I spent years living with that. It would echo in my head anytime I ran somewhere. You can't run. You run like that. You, you run like that every single time. And I shoved it down for years. And then finally I sat down and I said, well, what does that even mean? Right? Um, and I examined that statement and examined what it meant and then looked at if I even believed what it meant. I, I mean, I went to the dictionary. I looked up the words that were used to see what it meant and what that thing would run like or person or whatever however right what that what that would look like and then I was like that that doesn't even make sense so I spent 20 years living with this thing about that I run weird or whatever and never once even examined the thought I spent two minutes examining it and actually looking at it and it was gone that doesn't mean it disappears That means it pops up and I go, no, no, no. We looked at that already. That's not real. And then it goes away again. But you're not out there trying to run and prove to everybody that you don't, you can run. Right. Right. It's, it's not because that would make it about everybody else. Instead of I, I, I've analyzed this. I've looked at it. I know it's not true. It doesn't make sense. And there, that person I'm not going to say they're wrong, right? Everybody is entitled to their own opinions. Right. I just don't agree it's with just, it. It's none of my business. Right. They just, in my eyes, they weren't accurate. So, okay. Right. That's, that's another time that I go, yep, that opinion's none of my business. It's okay. And, and that statement allows me to let go of that opinion every single time it pops into my head. Now, like you said, I'm not out there trying to run track. I'm not on a track team. I don't enjoy running. That's not what this is about. It was about letting go of the thought and learning how to move through that thought. So do you have any other, like, can you think of anything else that is a story that you were told that 
and how you worked through it? Um, not off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something too to use, and I I can't think of anything. I'm sure after I hit, we get off this, I'll be like, oh, I could have said that. Oh, I could have used that. Again. Yeah, I'm sure there's a thousand um, of them, but, but in the moment, I can't think of any. Right. <laughs> but I think one of those. So one of the things that I struggle have struggled with is, um, you get you know nobody can see us on here. Um, I am a plus size woman. There is a lot of societal people say I, there's certain things that I can't do. Because, right, oh, if you're overweight, you can't do this. Oh, if you're overweight, you're not healthy. Right? I've battled through that in my head for for years. I used to be 120 pounds in high school at 5'10". I was skin and bones and looked gross. Um, But as I would get older and... I carried that that where that kind of that that brainwashing feeling of you're not good enough you can't you won't be able to and I had to like personally had to work through that to know like what was not true and I we shared last podcast about um some of our spiritual awakenings and mine were very active spiritual awakenings like where I was out doing things and that was part of that process for me my with the spiritual awakenings was to learn that my body doesn't dictate what I can do and what I can't do because I can do anything I I put my mind to and I want to do it's just whether I choose to listen to what other people are telling me or do what I know I can do that's so crazy to me Dawn because it's the opposite, right? And I think we said that last week, but as you continue to describe it, my spiritual awakenings, it was the exact same thing, but it was the complete opposite. Mine were it's when I was calm and I was quiet and I was alone and I was sitting and sedentary, right? That's where almost all of my spiritual awakenings happen, sitting on a boat, driving in the car, right? Alone and, and quiet. And that is because I always filled so much of my space with doing things and working and other people and and I get that but it's I just it's insane to me it's not insane it's it's funny it's it's ironic that's it it's ironic how very very similar our stories are and yet totally different at the same time I know cuz it is I'm very much like and but my things happened by myself, right? It you know, even though they were outdoors and I was being active and all of this, they still were I was on the bridge by myself. With right. there's other people surround around me, but I was so into it, myself and in with me It was very personal. That I didn't really Yes. Being in the kayak, right? People and I'm trying to pull them and you know, get them and it wasn't about them it was about what I it was about it was personal it was about me and what I could learn I could do that's funny I just said that about the amends too um, this is crazy um (laughs) right because that's about our inventory too 
It's about me and what I'm doing. Exactly. I'm seeing a commonality, and I know this wasn't where you were going, so I'm sorry to take us off into left field here, but... No, you're fine. I, I am seeing a commonality of things in recovery where it is about me, it is personal, and it is about what I am willing and able to do. I can either choose to be kind and love and compassionate, or I can choose to be self-centered and selfish and inconsiderate. I think when I am kind, considerate with myself first and foremost, it just naturally makes me kind and considerate to others. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't say that loud enough. Like... (laughs) I have noticed over the last few weeks that when I'm noticing someone else's being, oh, he's being inconsiderate, or she's being selfish, or they're being judgmental, that if I stop and I look and I actually pay attention, sure, they may be being those things, but I'm noticing it because I'm also being those things. Yeah. Like, it's not a coincidence that when this stuff happens, it's, uh, right, there's a lesson in it. And I feel this in every aspect of my life. Anytime anything happens, and I'm actually, I'm going (laughs) to, so we started recording earlier, and your internet went out. And we jumped straight into the letter. That, right, I mean, we, three minutes in, we were, you were reading, starting to read. And I, this is not a coincidence that your internet, that your internet Not at all. It's not a coincidence because like we were trying to make it happen and and, like that just doesn't work. So it's everything in my life when I force it and try to make it happen or I'm seeing it in others, you know, like the judgment and those feelings and I have to look right. There is a reason all this, this stuff happens. Everything is very, very intentional. What I'm learning and what I have learned is I have to listen to everything. Everything that happens is an opportunity for me to learn a lesson or get something out of it. Yeah, for sure. And that's what this letter is, right? This wasn't, again, going back to this wasn't about your mom. This was what you needed to hear, what you needed to learn about yourself, what you needed to, to, to purge and say. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I, I, I don't remember how long ago it was, but a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, maybe even last week, I had said I was taking a break. Um, and during yeah. that break, daily, multiple times a day, I was thinking about my mother and our relationship and the things that happened. I couldn't actually take a break because I was very wrapped up in it mentally. Um, I spent the better part of a week trying to force myself not to think about it and then finally around Thursday night's meeting I realized what I was doing and come Friday I just sat down and I didn't know what I was gonna write honestly when I sat down I was angry Um, and what I'm about to read is the third version of this letter Um, I took a lot out I added a lot I took a lot of justification out. I took a lot of blame shifting out. Um, But all of that was processing my emotions that I had tried to shut down and shove away all week. 
I think it's really what you said about the, I was going to take a break. Because naturally, it, we think, I'm going to take a break. That means I'm just not going to have any contact. But I, or, you know, it's like, I'm done. I'm just not going to deal with this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to think about them. But that's not what it means, right? You took a, a physical I mean, I know your mom is not, doesn't live close, but, you know, calling, interacting with her on the phone, texting, all of that. You took a break from that because what you, what you needed to do was you needed to have silence so you could process it without having her in your ear and hearing that, like picking up distortion and picking up her feelings because that's what you're doing when you're when the person is coming at you you're you're taking on their feelings because you're you're angry you're you're upset you're right you need to and so you had to process through that by taking a break that doesn't mean everything's going to shut off or you're not going to think about it because i think like i said earlier where you can be angry you can be disappointed you can feel all those things there's nothing wrong with them i think we need to feel them because when we feel them, that's how we work through them. If I push them to the side, if you would have just not thought about your mom at all, you wouldn't have worked through anything. Right, I wouldn't have processed anything at all. I would have never sat down and wrote this letter. I, and that's what I used to do, right? I used to just cut contact, not mm-hmm. think about it, just shove it down as far as I could and bury it. Yep. That's not what I did this time, and that's what's different. That doesn't mean anything in your relationship is going to change. Nothing but in, 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 the, in the interactions of you and your mom's relationships might change, right? I mean, you'll change. Maybe you'll change. Right. So that's that was actually what I was going to respond to you with is, well, something's going to change because I'm going to change. Um, but does that mean you're going to be perfect? And when your mom says something, you might not, not get triggered? All. Not at all. But that's okay, right? It's okay that you... The key is not to never lose control of my emotions. The key is that when I catch myself out of control, I grab back as quickly as I can. And when I say control, I don't I don't mean control in the typical sense. I mean my emotions do not have to match my actions. I do not have to act out how I feel. And when I catch myself acting out how I feel, anger, sadness, frustration, when I catch myself acting angry and acting sad, well, that sad doesn't really work, but when I catch myself acting out those negative emotions in a negative way, I catch myself doing it and I stop myself when I catch myself. That's the goal. The goal is not to never ever have it happen again. I think that's why when we say, like, people will think, they'll come into the program and they'll think, oh, I just can't wait till I'm better. I can't wait till, like, this, I get, take, get rid of this. I can't wait till I'm fixed. That is, like, one, we're not broken, right? Two, I'm not going for perfection. I literally just want to be able to do things differently every time an interaction happens. I just want to be a little bit better than I was before. That doesn't mean I'm going to be better every time. It just, that's what I'm striving for. Just striving to be better 
every time. Absolutely. I, I mean, I have a goal, right? I've talked about that Dalai Lama right? type shit, right? I have a goal. My end goal, and it's not an end goal, it's just one I would love to see. Not that I think it is the top of the ceiling, but that if I reach it, I, I will feel very accomplished, right? My goal is that I can have someone verbally abusing me and it not get inside of me. It genuinely not hurt me. Their, their, their voice not echo, their words not echo in my brain, the thoughts not come after. Like I, I want to get to a point where someone can say whatever the hell they need to say in whatever way they need to say it and it does not impact me. So I think your letter was a great way to work at striving for that, right? Now, could you have, like, if I'm feeling a certain way, if somebody says something and I, right, just the twinge, like, it doesn't get inside me, it doesn't, like, end my day, it doesn't bother me, it doesn't, I'm not, like, ruminating over it or anything like that, but I feel like if it happens, you go and you put you pen to paper, get it out journal it right there's where I feel that that's the process that has to happen is and that comes from I think reflecting on your day like every day like looking at what happened in my day and okay this person said this right it's like I because you think you have to like I don't know it's like I I would love Dalai Lama shit too. I just, I think I'm, be, I'm, I'm trying to be as realistic with myself that there might be a twinge. And I'm okay with a twinge. I'm okay with a twinge. But then I might have to work through that twinge later. Right. I'm okay with completely losing control. Doesn't mean I want to lose yeah. control. Oh, yeah. But if I do, that's, right? it's okay. What if you don't reach Dalai Lama shit ever that's in your okay. life? Compared to where I was five years ago, I'm already, like... I'm already doing Dalai Lama shit. Right, like, I mean, I say that, and I think about my reactions with my mom, and I think about my reactions with Nick or the kids sometimes, and I'm not where I want to be, right? I have not reached my goal, of course, I always want to grow. I always want to learn. I want all of these new habits to eventually become old habits because I have learned better, bigger, newer habits. Right. And. There's, you're opening up space to even learn newer habits and better habits. Right. right. Yeah. And it's okay that sometimes my survival instincts come in and I act before I think. It's Okay. If I can be kind, loving, accepting, compassionate with myself, then I can be that with others. Are you ready to read us your letter? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So no further ado, Ashley. All right. Dear Mom, I chose to write you instead of calling because it feels safer. I don't feel understood when I talk to you about my feelings. At least this way, I can speak my truth. 
When I said I have been your perpetrator since before I was born, what I meant was, for as long as I can remember, I have felt at fault when talking about our relationship and, and our interactions. From my first memories, I was afraid to do something wrong. I remember being terrified of your anger. I remember how my behavior seemed to determine your emotions. I remember feeling like if I could just be good enough and keep my sister happy enough, then you wouldn't get angry and I wouldn't get hurt. To this day, I struggle with other people's anger being a trigger for me. I remember trying to gauge your emotions as young as preschool, riding home attempting to guess how you were feeling based off the type of music that you were listening to or the tone in your voice. Usually, it was your reactions to my stories that told me how the evening would be. For so long, I remember wanting so badly to be good enough for you to want me. To be good enough for you to like me. I spent years just trying to be perfect. Ignore my brother being mean, hide from my stepdad's anger, clean the house, take care of my sister, get perfect grades, be kind, put on this smile so no one asked if I was sad. Be as little and as quiet as I could and get noticed as little as possible because for me to be noticed meant pain, either physical or emotional. I felt unlovable. I felt isolated. I was so vulnerable and so terrified. I remember wanting from about three until about 10, just for my mom to just like me. Finally, around 10, sixth grade, something changed in me. I gave up. I gave up on ever being liked by you. I gave up on ever feeling security with you. I gave up on the any idea that anyone, including God, was going to rescue this 10-year-old little girl from the physical and emotional pain that I was in. I came to the conclusion that my mom didn't love me. She hurt me all the time, and we don't hurt people that we love. My dad didn't love me. He left, and he refused to rescue me, too. Even God has given up on me. He left me to be hurt over and over. I truly gave up on the idea that anyone would ever save me, and with that, the idea that anyone would ever love me. If God, my mom, and my dad couldn't even love me, God, I must have been awful. So I decided to be awful in that moment. That's when I wrote that Mother's Day card. Do you remember that? I think I was 10 or 11. I just poured all of my anger, rejection, and fear into that card. God, I spent days making sure that I said just the right thing to hurt you as deeply as I did. I wanted you to feel all the things I felt. I was terrified, hurt, and angry about how I had to live. And when I saw how my anger with that card hurt you, I realized how powerful my anger was. I had found a way to stay safe. I found a way to feel 
powerful. That terrified, that terrified little girl finally felt heard and understood. For many, many years, I used that anger. I used it to keep you away. I used it to keep me safe. Finally, when I was about 16, I reached out to you again. I needed you so I could finish school. Spent weeks trying to figure out how to talk to you about it and deciding if reconnecting with you was even worth it. I asked you for help for the first time in years. And when you couldn't do it, I felt rejected. I felt unimportant. I felt unloved yet again. And I gave up on us yet again. And I moved across the country. When I came home, I was pregnant with destiny. I realized that I was regularly meeting your own anger, your anger with my own matching anger. I was attempting to overpower your anger with mine. I realized I was becoming someone I didn't like. I was defensive and angry. I was hurt and scared. And so yet again, I created space. I moved halfway across the country this time. Over the years, I have learned that if I match your anger with my own anger, you will relent. When you relent, I feel safe again. I don't want to do that anymore. I am working very hard on becoming someone who can meet anger with love. I am working on becoming someone who can meet pain with forgiveness and understanding. I will no longer entertain your anger. I will not be a part of any conversation where I don't feel safe. I am not interested in debating or discussing my relationship with anyone else with you. That includes my siblings and my fathers. I will do my best to communicate in a considerate, kind, and compassionate way with you at all times while still remaining authentic and standing up for myself. My love is not conditional. My presence is. I will always love you. Talk soon. Um, so, wow, Ashley. Um, I, you know, I read this earlier. You sent it to me to read. And I was blown away by it um, then. But it's so different hearing you read it in your own. Like with you, like, because I feel like I felt all the emotions. And, you know, like reading it, I know you. So, you know, I've talked and so I can hear you reading it. But to truly hear you reading it, wow. Um, and I love, there's so many things I love about this. Like one, again, I love the fact that you did not say I'm sorry because you had nothing to say I'm sorry for. You did not own anything when it came to your mom. Nothing. It was all I statements. And I felt I was, it was I, 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 I. We were talking the other day in the meeting, like this is a selfish program. This is, this whole program is about me. It's about me figuring out me. And that's what you did in this. But my favorite part is the last paragraph. 
that I will no longer entertain your anger. I will not be part of any of conversations where I don't feel safe. I am not interested in debating or discussing my relationships with others with you, including my siblings and my fathers. I will do my best to communicate in kind, considerate, and compassionate way with you at all times while I still remain authentic to myself, standing up for myself. My love is not conditional, only my presence. I love that because that is such a clear and concise boundary. It is. And it's my boundary to maintain for me. Yes. But there's no question in there. What do you mean? What what about this situation? No, this is, it's, it's clear and concise. There is no questioning what you mean and what you said. And I think it's really important to note too that as a boundary as this last statement right so what happens if she comes at me with anger or if she wants to talk to me about one of my fathers what I will do is my best to communicate in a kind considerate and compassionate way that I am not willing to talk about that right you stated what your boundary is you can easily say as I've stated mom I'm not going to talk to you about this. If you want, and you, you know, I know you have said this to your mom before. If you want to continue talking about this, then I'm going to, I'm going to hang up. If you want to have another conversation, I will continue talking. Yep. Because you've spelled it out. Yeah. And I will say it over and over again as many times as I need to. And I will hang up the phone as many times as I need to. What if she never gets it? Then I'll keep hanging up forever. I'm not going to cut my mother out of my life, right? I love my mother. Me loving my mother has nothing to do with my mother. It doesn't have anything to do with how she treats me. It doesn't have anything to do with what she says to me. I choose to love my mother. And in choosing to love my mother, I am also choosing to love her in her worst and in her best. That doesn't mean I need to expose myself to her in her worst. I can, I, can, I can distance myself from that. But I will still love her. I will still be here for her. And when she is ready to be safe again, I will still be available. Well, that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of play this devil's like kind of advocate. And, I don't know. That's not even what I'm trying to say, but. Well, that's great, Ashley. You, you, you and your mom don't even live close together. The only thing you do is talk on the phone or text. Like, I live with my mom, or I live 10 minutes from my mom, so I can't do that. You can't walk away? Like, like literally just turn and move your feet in the opposite direction of where she's standing? Right, go to a bathroom. Nobody argues when you say, I have to go to the bathroom. Well, and I mean, like, look, I do this with, with dog training, and I have come to the conclusion that people will respond very similarly to animals, to dogs. And if my dog is doing something that is unsafe for me, I am not going to become unsafe for my dog. I'm going to leave the room, wait until my dog stops, and then come back immediately. If my dog is giving a behavior that I am not okay with, I am going to intentionally ignore my dog until it gives a behavior I am okay with and then I'm going to reward it. If I am doing that with people also, 
And the reward is my attention, my affection. Not that I am withholding, but that you are unsafe, therefore I cannot be around. And then when you are safe again, I come around. So you're teaching people how you want to treat, be treated through nonverbal communication. I, I don't even like to consider it as teaching people how to treat me because it's not about them. I'm not trying to teach them anything. I'm simply deciding what I will or will not engage in. And when a person behaves in some manner that I feel unsafe, I have a right to choose whether or not I engage with that behavior. The only way I know how not to engage is to leave. That's, I mean, sure, if I could sit there and say, I, I really would rather not do this, and they were like, okay, no problem, I wouldn't leave. But we're not talking about something as easy as that, right? So if somebody's in my face yelling and screaming and berating me, I'm not going to stand there and listen to it. I'm not, I have in the past, but at this point I am not going to scream back and be louder and angrier so that they will listen. I am going to disengage. I'm not going to join the crazy train. That is not my monkey. It is not my circus. They can have their anger. They can have their frustration. They can have their opinion. It's not mine. I, you know, the whole uh, third promise, I, I think it's third, I found a new freedom. That's, for me, what I got when I, one of the times I got what, turning around and walking away. Be able to just turn around and walk out of the room or turn around and not say anything and just leave or just get up and do something else and they're like like catches them up like whoa wh wh like where are you going I don't have to engage with you when you're talking this way right I'm not being mean I just don't have to talk to you or like if they ask that's all I have to say I'm not I don't have to be sit here and talk with you but like I don't have to Typically, I just get up. It's like getting up and leaving was finding a new freedom because, well, this was this was a lot easier than arguing for the next two days. For so long, I did not even realize that it was possible to simply disengage. I, I don't know. I thought that if I disengaged, it meant I didn't love someone or something. Yeah. And that's just not true. I, I can love mom I'm gonna keep using her as an example right I, I can love my mom more than I can describe in words um, and still refuse to engage in behaviors and conversations and situations that make me feel unsafe one of the things I've you know you hear people say is well you have to fight for the ones you love you should be aren't shouldn't you be fighting for the relationship with your mom shouldn't you be fighting to can I ask, when has fighting ever been pos positive? In what situation can you possibly... I've been wondering this, right? Because everybody, you're right, I hear it all the time. Don't you want to fight for your relationship? Mm -hmm. Tell me one situation that fighting is positive. Well, when I come across it, I'll let you know. But until then, I have nothing, like nothing for you. Because it's never served me well. 
fighting involves anger. Fighting involves stubborn determination. Fighting involves fear, self-will and fear. Yeah, I have never found fighting for something to be a good thing, though I did it for many, many years. Instead, what I strive to do, and again, I'm not perfect, but what I try to do is love for it. I don't want to fight for my relationship. I want to love unconditionally. And I do. shouldn't Shouldn't you fight for yourself? I don't have to fight for myself. I already have myself. All I have to do is stand up for myself and choose what I will and will not expose myself to. Fighting for myself to me, unless somebody is attacking me, I'm not interested in fighting. Like, sure, if there is a major physical threat and, and my safety, my life is at risk, my physical well-being is at risk, I will fight for myself. But any other situation, I don't need to fight for myself. I already have myself. I already know who I am. I, I don't, if I walk away, I'm bringing myself with me. In your um, amends letter to your mom, like you talked about fighting with her. Like you were fighting for yourself with her. I was. But I, right? So like you're just, you know, you're telling me that I don't need to fight for myself, but that's what you were saying you were doing. I was for a long time. I was matching her anger with my anger and I was fighting for our relationship to be what I wanted it to be. I did for... Gosh, you know, in the letter, even in life, 10 years old is when I remember starting my fight. I, I, I do remember choosing anger. I, I remember the Mother's Day card I wrote her and the intentional thought that I was going to make her feel how she had made me feel all these years. It was very intentional. I spent weeks preparing this letter. I read it multiple times to myself, nobody else. And I even planned how I gave it to her. I made it, like I, the hurt that she encountered the day, and I know she remembers it, I can't imagine she doesn't. The hurt that she encountered that day, I did everything in my power to create it because I was fighting. I was. And then I continued to, for the next 30 years, in one way, shape, or form, I continued to fight. And I'm done fighting. Fighting doesn't work. Fighting involves anger, and I don't want to be angry. Anger is what has created all of this. First hers, and then mine. And anger is what's kept it going for so many years. Fighting for it is what's kept it going for so many years. Maybe it's just time to accept this relationship for what it is and where it is and be okay with that. So there's something else I got out of this um, that I noticed, and it's really interesting the way it came up on my computer. Um, So we, I know it's mentioned before, like plug plug Michelle Chaffant, the adult chair, amazing podcast. Um, yes, second, I love it. Second best podcast around. Um, <laughs> but um, 
you know what I saw in this? The first two paragraphs, you were full on in your adult chair, or in your child chair. Very intentionally. Second half, totally in your adult chair. That was my intention with this. So, again, when I sat down to write this letter, I had no idea what I was going to write. I was angry. I was hurting. And when I decided to write it, when, when I started writing it, um, after that first sentence, I decided to write because it feels safer. I thought about what I wanted from this letter and what I wanted to create was openness. And the only way that I know how to create openness and connection is through vulnerability. As an adult, I'm no longer vulnerable to my mother. I care, but she, right? To be vulnerable is to be like open to hurt. Somebody can tear me up and tear me down and hurt me and my mother's opinion of me at this point I'm not as an adult I'm not vulnerable to that so I I wanted very much to create vulnerability in this letter to her and the only way I knew how to do that at this point was to step back to that child chair to start at the beginning and take myself to that terrified little girl who saw her anger and was so afraid of it and then to that preteen who figured out how to match it and then that young adult who figured out how powerful it is I didn't know any other way to do it it seemed to work out perfect though yeah it really did there's I mean and I love right this isn't a journal this isn't a journal entry this wasn't what comes out comes out it doesn't matter and then I send it off. This was this was an intentional amends letter. This copy was the third one. The first one was four pages front and back. The second one was three pages front and back. This one is a page and a half. So you're telling me you were able to cut your words almost in a third. Well, actually a third. And be your true and authentic, intentional self? How? Shouldn't it take more words? Well, the first one, I mean, no, it doesn't take more words. I, I, direct communication mm -hmm. is respected, right? It's, it's needed. It's so valuable to say what I mean and mean what I say without going in circles. And the very first one that was so many pages, first there was a lot of circles. And then there was a lot of focus on certain situations. And then there was a lot of focus on taking my mother's inventory. And then as I reread it and decided whether or not I wanted this to be an amends letter or I wanted this to be some processing of emotion, um, I wrote it a second time and I took out the situations and I made it to be right? Just about our relationship. Instead of this situation happened and I reacted this way because of this, I tried to make it more about our relationship as a whole. And then I noticed still when I re went back and reread that, I noticed still that I was taking her inventory. Yes, I was taking accountability for my feelings and I was following my feelings up with the reasons I felt my feelings, which is her inventory. So 
this letter, this third draft, this final draft, is nothing except my inventory. What I am accountable for, in my opinion, what I have done that I wish I would no longer do. And I understand the value in having done it. What I'm hearing you say in the first couple of drafts was, so the first one where you were doing a lot, using a lot of scenarios and how you felt was there was manipulation behind it because I'm going to tell you the scenario and this is how I felt kind of manipulating her to understand your position on it, your thought on it, your feelings on it. Yes, very much. It was an attempt to explain and justify in an attempt to gain understanding. Yes. And this is all about you. I this, I that, I this, and you didn't need all the words. You just didn't. This isn't a men's letter. Yeah. This is a letter of acknowledgement and accountability and awareness of my own behaviors and what I want to do for myself to change those behaviors. I look at you with the first couple of drafts you wrote more as journal type situations, right? Because I feel like yes, there is that let me go into like that level of stuff because I maybe I have to process through it. Maybe I have to look at it. Then I need to come into a, a healthier place and then get into another healthier place, right? So I need to process through it to get to this end result. That's what I think you were doing. Well, you know that you've done this long enough now to know this. You've worked through situations like this that you knew you couldn't send the first draft because it wouldn't have been authentic and intentional. But I think that's nobody's saying not to do that. We're just, it, what it, we're saying is do that to be able to get to the end result. You have to work through it. And sometimes, like, it's okay that you sat in your child chair for the first half of this letter. Because there are times I need to sit in my, my, my child chair. If I don't sit in my child chair, then my inner child feels abandoned. Exactly. That is how I support myself is by sitting with that child in that chair and acknowledging the feelings that I felt and the things that I went through and giving myself understanding and giving myself compassion without blame and taking accountability without anger. Th those first two drafts were definitely journal entries, right? I had to process through my anger before I could even get to a point of being willing to look at my own actions. I, I, I had to write down what I felt towards her for her behaviors in order to be able to even look at myself. You know, the one thing we've talked about for the last year, year and a half, you know, year and a half, has been this with your mom. Like, this is not something that's just arose this time around. This is, you've worked through your mom multiple times. I know I had to work through my mom, my mom multiple times, and I'm still working on my mom multiple times a day, right? Yeah, I don't plan to be done anytime soon. Right. I, I'm certain this will not be the last of an amends letter or 
that I write with my mom or the last self-inventory I take with a situation with my mom. The wounds go so deep and have been there for so long that to open them up and clean them to get them to heal is not a one-and-done situation. It's going to take time. It's going to take intentional work, right? Think about an actual wound. Imagine if that actual wound cut all the way to the bone and was 30 years old. It's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of intentional work to heal that wound. Um, And I have a wound and she has a wound and our relationship has a wound. So it's not one wound that needs to heal in order for us to have an amazing relationship. It is three wounds that need to heal. And we can't even work on the relationship wound until the other wounds, right? My wound, until I have healed my wound and she has healed her wound, then we can begin to work on our wound. You know, I found it really interesting when I came to CODA, um, I thought I was coming to mend a relationship, a romantic relationship. I was coming because of that. And I I still call him the guy that brought me to CODA, right? Without that rock bottom spiral, I wouldn't, wouldn't be here. So grateful all day, every day for that. I thought that's what I had to work through. I thought that is was my, once I got through that, I would be fine. Never in a million years did I walk into my first meeting thinking that my biggest hurdle and the thing that I still struggle with the absolute most is my mom I'm and my like my mom and I used to like my my like my mama completely abandoned me like not physically but like emotionally and all of that and I thought we were the best of friends and we were but it was from such an unhealthy codependent place that the relationship was just completely screwed up. And I thought I was fixing my romantic relationship. But what I was had to do was I was fixing myself and this is my mom is the hardest relationship that I'm try that I have to heal. Because the wounds are so deep, the hurt is so deep that it still will come up. It comes up. And it's okay. Yeah, I mean, definitely my relationship with my mom is the hardest one. I I, I think that for most people, the relationship with our parents is the hardest one to heal because that is the one that we are taught from such an early age to rely on the most. They were the first people to let us down, right? We innate is this is this is the person that we're supposed to count on for everything and being a mom I let my kids down I didn't mean to let them down that wasn't what I wasn't intentionally letting them down thinking oh I'm gonna let my kid down today I just was doing the best I could with what I was given if I wasn't given some of that stuff, how was I supposed to know I could, I could, I should do some of that stuff? 
but I get the opportunity now to do the things that I didn't know then. Yeah. And that's the same thing with my mom, right? She didn't teach me a lot of stuff. I don't know a lot of stuff to be able to deal with her from a healthy place, but I'm learning those things. She continues to teach me things on how I need to interact with her from a healthier place for myself. It's interesting to see the work that goes into a relationship and the level of intentional um, self-awareness that I have to have in order to maintain healthy relationships. I saw my mother yesterday. I saw my mother today. We're working on something together. And I it's something I needed to actually go to her house to see, to kind of see the template. I love my mom. I have not spent much time with her in the last couple of days. You know, right? Maybe total of two hours. That was enough. And it was part yesterday and part today. Both times I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. Right? That doesn't mean I don't love her. That doesn't mean I'm not, that I'm not, if, if something happened to her and she was in the hospital or she needed something, that doesn't mean I wouldn't be there. That doesn't mean that I don't like her because I love her. Oh God, I love her so much. And we've come so far. It just means when I start feeling that yucky feeling in my body, I know for me, it's time to leave. Because it's best for her, it's best for her, and it's best for me, for me to walk away. I think that that's the perfect place to leave this. When I get that yucky feeling in my body, it's best for me to disengage. I just feel like that's a heck of a message to to uh, end this with. When, when, when you get that yucky feeling in your body disengage if we did that how many of these conflicts that we go through in our lives would we no longer have to go through ashley thank you for another amazing podcast thank you for sharing your amends letter i love that you were willing to do that because i think so many people out there i know i get it as a sponsor um what is it like they'll ask what an amends look letter looks like what is what is what do you mean by an amends letter um, people default to I'm sorry and that's not what it is this is what an amends letter is it's it's owning taking my responsibility for myself being accountable being my authentic self um, so thank you again thank you for sharing this for being vulnerable and um, great job thank you and thank you for listening and for being here for me and having it and I I, I love that we do this I do it it it's hard to be this vulnerable, but it creates such an awareness that I got me. You know, there's something about talking about this when we talk about it and just kind of putting it out there and, you know, doing this, we, you know, to, we, we decided to be extra vulnerable in doing this. And I, I'm so glad we did because like we said last week, just the, the, the opportunities it's offered from, being in a healthier place for me is, is crazy. And so I love that we do this as well. And I would love to have a men's letter. People send in a men's letters. Ask us questions. I mean, again, we keep saying this. Send your stuff in. Ask questions, right? If you're questioning how to go about an amends letter, 
ask us those questions. We will talk about that even more and go deeper into it. We just want to share our recovery, our journey, what we have learned, what we have worked extremely hard for with our listeners. Absolutely. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, listeners. All right, Ashley. Well, have a great week. You too. Bye, everybody. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.